What's going on, folks? Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. Uh, back after a little bit of a break that I had last week, I uh, came down with a little bit of sickness, but Sammy and Dominic picked it up for us and, and got a good show in. I'm glad for that. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for that. Um, we're back today. We have a little special a special guest with us, a former San Diego Padres pitcher. Clayton Richard will be joining us shortly. Uh, so what's going on, guys? How are you guys doing this week? Uh, how is uh, school and how are you doing, Sam? I'm doing pretty well. It's it's going pretty well. Obviously, uh, you know, waiting for Padres baseball, just like the rest of us. Uh, I think yeah. we're all kind of anxiously awaiting the start of spring training, but otherwise it, it's going pretty well. And I'm excited to get into this interview that we have coming up here. Yeah. And I have class here in a little bit. So I'm currently in a building that I've never stepped foot in. It has internet connection. It has charged for my computer and I'm ready to ready to record a podcast. Nice. Nice. Uh, it'll be interesting to talk to Clayton Richard. He had a lot of success with the team, uh, multiple tenures with the Padres, which is kind of rare. Um, it'll be fun to, to talk, to talk to him and see what he his uh, what his thoughts of, of, of the current team and, and the current state of major league baseball in general right now. I mean, cause there's a lot of different things going on uh, within the game itself. Guys, anything uh, from last week that we should go over again? I, I know you guys uh, talked about the, the, the uh, pickups that the team made, uh, the Adam Engel stuff like that. Uh, anything in particular that comes off the top of your head that needs to be discussed yeah i think the the main news that you know has happened in padres land in the past week since we've last podcasted was the padres officially signed uh ethan salas he's a catcher out of i believe it was venezuela um he's 16 year old he's the number one international prospect they signed him for 5.6 million dollar signing bonus uh it's really exciting at least for me to to see kind of you know who he is and kind of get to know him a little bit he seems really well spoken for a 16 year old if you guys were able to catch some of the the interviews that yes. he was giving in the Padres clubhouse. He seems like a, a really good kid. Um, and he's playing in a winter league this winter with a bunch of former major leaguers and, and a lot older professional players. And so I, I only see that as a good thing, uh, playing around guys that are that experienced. I, I think it's pretty good for him, but you know, like any major league prospect who just gets drafted or just gets signed, it's probably going to be a while before we, you know, hear from him. Um, mm-hmm. He'll probably start in the Dominican summer league. Maybe he'll make his way over to complex ball by the end of the year this year. I, I still think it's probably best case scenario. He's up in, he's up in San Diego in what, four, five years. Right. <laughs> yeah. Be, given his age. I mean, the, 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 the maturity is there for sure. Uh, the defense is there for sure. I mean, he could, he could crack the major leagues at 1920 if everything broke breaks perfectly for him. But that's, that's going to be, uh, it's going to remain to be seen how, how he handles pitching, especially at the upper levels. Uh, yeah. Dominic, any thoughts on, on solace? I mean, that's, that's, it looks like a very impressive signing for this team. Yeah, everything's a guess at this point, to be completely honest, but all the reviews that you're seeing from these scouts, and people who report from the scouts on prospects is that solace is going to be a stud. And I think that's really exciting, especially because the Padres haven't really had stability at catcher in a long time, at least like solid stability. So I, I think that solace can be that guy further down the line, but I mean, the hope is that Kim Pusano can really emerge as that guy, but I think everything's a guess at this point. He's 16. I think people need to remember that. Let's be patient with him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely need to be patient with him. There's there's a lot of upside there, but there's a lot of uncertainty as well. But uh, he certainly looks like he has a bright future. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, the Padres also picked up a couple or signed a couple of pitchers this week. Uh, Angel Sanchez and Domingo Tapia. 
a little more of a kind of minor league depth, end of the rotation, end of the bullpen type of depth. Uh, we'll see if they get anything from either pitcher. Uh, pitchers, they're both veteran pitchers that have decent arms. So um, and interesting to see the Padres kind of uh, do a little bit of dumpster diving, if you will, and, and pick up some of these young players or, or unheralded players and hopefully turn them into quality major leaguers. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the last rumor uh, that, or the last thing that we should talk about was a rumor that the Padres are possibly interested in Aroldis Chapman, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, give me your guys quick thoughts on that before we talk to Mr. Richard. Yeah, I saw that. I don't, I don't like it really just with his off the field stuff. And this past year with the Yankees, he really wasn't effective when he was on the field. Um, he, he lost the closers role for the greater part of the season. He had a bunch of issues. He, he left the team ahead of the, their uh, divisional round playoff series because he learned that he wasn't going to be on the roster. And so it just, I don't know. It's, it's a little weird to me that they're pursuing someone like that. I, I get it. Like he does possess, you know, pretty loud tools. He's still got a fastball that approaches triple digits, but with the best part of his career behind him, I just, you know, I, I don't view it in the same light as a Trevor Bauer situation, but it's, it is a little similar into you're, you're kind of bringing the circus. If you sign him risk, a sense. lot of risk. Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree with Sammy, the off the field issues with uh, domestic violence, it wouldn't be a good look for the Padres. And then you topple it with the fact that he wasn't good last year. Uh, potentials to the roof. I mean, his potential is he could be the best setup man in baseball in front of Josh Hader, but not really sure it's worth the risk. Yeah, and then two lefties kind of I don't know. Say they're they're the similar, but they they're two left-handers that throw hard. I, I don't know if that's necessarily a good fit for the for the team. Um, at at this point, it's probably just a rumor. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure the Padres have kicked their tires on on every player that's available, even a, a even a Trevor Bauer out there. They probably did a little bit of homework on and 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 hopefully decided to pass on. Um, yeah, there there was a there was an article. I think it was in the UT like a few days ago. Um, I want to say it's from Bryce Miller. I could be wrong on that, but um, it, they it was basically kind of saying that they did a little bit of due diligence on him, and they don't really, you know, they don't have any interest. So I, I am a little surprised that they would have interest in Chapman. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just a rumor, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, folks, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk to former San Diego Padre pitcher Clayton Richard. We'll be right back after a short break. We are pleased that Mr. Clayton Richard is here with us, former San Diego Padre pitcher. How are you doing, Clayton? How 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 are things uh, after baseball? Terrific. Um, it's it's different, but being able to be around family a little bit more frequently and yeah. spending time with them is is pretty special. Getting an opportunity, I back home all year. We always came back home in the off season, but. Kind of days like today, though, where it's a little gray, or at least the past month and probably the next month, where we don't see the sunshine, we, we kind of miss that San Diego sun. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I'm coaching football and baseball at the high school, okay. and, and okay. I started a, a golf cart business, so I, I, I stay right. busy. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's a, it's great to see you, um, Sammy. I think you had something to, to ask, uh, Mr. Kirsch, uh, Mr. Richard. Yeah, Clayton, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Interested to pick your brain a little bit. I, I know you just mentioned that you're, you know, you're coaching at the high school level in baseball and football. Have you thought at all about getting into affiliate ball, maybe, you know, minor league pitching coach or managing or, you know, kind of what's your thought process there? I've, I've had some opportunities come up, but where we're out right now as a family, I just felt as if our, our time with our children is, is somewhat fleeting. I have a 10, nine and six year old. 
And it seems like yesterday we were my oldest cash and he was born in San Diego. I, it just seems like it was yesterday that we're, I was running over to the hospital to get him. So I'm going to most likely stay close to home for the next six to 10 years. And then possibly after that, explore something in that, in that arena. Yeah, Clayton, thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, I wanted to wonder, how, how do you look back on your time in San Diego? Because you went back to the Padres as a free agent after your first tenure there. So uh, how do you look back on your time with the Padres? I, I look, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity. I came up with the White Sox initially and was traded over in the PV deal and really grew up as a, as a major league player in San Diego and developed as a pitcher kind of learned and understood what it meant to be, be a professional in that sport in San Diego. And my wife and I, we, we spent a big part of our adult lives in San Diego. And so it's a very special place to us. And it's, it's a place that we look back on fondly. And the only thing that I think as long with probably all the fans wish we had a, a few more wins in the time we were there. Yeah, it, it was it was a tough time, but there, that 2010 team was was really uh, really successful. Um, any particular memory stand out as you, in your time in San Diego, or any particular teammates that really stand out with with the Padres? There's man, there's a lot. Um, okay, it, it was pretty cool. I, this past weekend, I got to spend some time with Nick Hunley, Chris Norfia, Tim Stauffer, okay. wow, uh, Corey, Corey Lukey, and it was it was the first time kind of hanging out with that not that necessarily it's a large group, but that many of us at once and having the opportunity to talk about old times and enjoy the memories of past and stories that came up about teammates and just reminiscing about how much fun we had through those years, especially in 2010, because that was not only as a good team, but it was a team that was not expected to be good. So yeah. going into the year and, and really, I think our, our pitching was, really good, especially that back end of the bullpen. Um, our starters gave us some, some length and then goodness that the back end of the bullpen was dominant that, that season. And up until really close to the trade deadline, we were in control and then kind of, we, we yeah. had a, a tough skid there and put us in, we we're in position that last series in San Francisco, San Francisco, and just weren't able to, to come through with that last round. You, you think that team could have done some real damage in the, in the playoffs if it made it? Well, I mean, if, if you look at it, when you remove yourself and kind of look back and think, man, we led the division for the most part of the season. And we felt as if we could take on anyone in the division. And the Giants are the team that ended up going on to, to win it. So really, it's, it's whoever's hottest at the end. And, and at that point, we were definitely not the hottest team in baseball. We, we were previously at points throughout the season. And we would have had to, to get going again really quick if, if we wanted to make a run. I kind of wanted to build off that a little bit because another team that is kind of poised to make noise is the 2023 San Diego Padres. So I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on how closely you followed the team since your retirement and, you know, what you think the, the Padres can do in this upcoming season and kind of, you know, how things have changed since, since you were around. Right. Significant change. And AJ probably has, has done, I feel as if a pretty strong job. I don't think there's anyone more dedicated to their, craft than he is to his. And so he's put that organization in position to win and win now. And they're fun to watch. It's an exciting team. It's there's so much talent, um, both at the plate in the field and um, on the mound that 
they they have a real chance and it's it's a tough division without a doubt and you have the Dodgers just just up north a little bit that are always going to be there and be strong but as good as chances they've had in a long time so it's it's fun to watch I don't get a follow as closely as maybe I'd like just with everything else that's going on in life right now but my boys my boys Cashin and Cannon um they're on board so it, it's fun to watch them be fans awesome awesome yeah, and you, you talked about still following baseball. There's a lot of rule changes now that have made the game, especially in the National League, way different than when you played. I mean, for example, you were a relatively good hitting pitcher. Uh, pitchers don't hit now uh, with a DH. Uh, pitch clock, uh, limited pickoffs this year. What are your takes on those new rules? Uh, I don't know. It, time will tell, I think. I think just me growing up playing the game and – not really wanting change. I, th- I think I look at all those like, ah, don't do it. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes you have to change to, to make progress and, and hopefully they, they will be good changes because you don't want to change something and go back. But uh, t- time will tell with those, I think. Yeah. You know, as a, as a former major league pitcher, what is your thought about the, the, the possible um, robot umpires that might come in? I mean, kind of remove the human element of the game. You've obviously played the game for your whole life and, and recognize that part of the game. How different will that be if, if you're just looking at a green light or a red light to call strikes and balls? It would be different. I, I think that that's one though. I think that if it were to speed it up, I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a terrible thing. I think you keep an umpire back there. Like I believe they did in AAA last year uh-huh. um, at some capacity or might've been independent ball, but that having an umpire there and hearing or seeing the light, uh, not opposed to it. I, I think they would have to, I'm sure there was things that would come up when, after they implement that the, the unforeseen consequences from such a technology that would come up, but that's one probably more so than the, the other ones that have come up recently that I'm, I'm not necessarily opposed to that being said though, it is remarkable how good, our umpires have gotten recently. It's accountability, right? <laughs> goodness. Yeah, with, with that box going up and everyone going to Twitter and going with the slow motion and seeing exactly where it crosses. And to think that they don't miss very many and, and we blow it probably out of proportion when they do, because it's like, Oh, how could you miss that? But we don't look at the other 250 pitches they called that night and how good they were during that. And I think that's something we have to also take into consideration is how good those guys have gotten over the, the past of the, the last couple of decades. And I, I also wanted to, to ask another question that would directly affect you as a pitcher. And, that, and that's the pitch clock. You know, there's been a lot of kind of mixed reviews about people, you know, some people are for it to speed the game up. Some people are against it. You know, they want to let pitchers get into their own routine, you know, talking to a former pitcher, how would you feel like that would have impacted you if it was in effect when you were playing, you know, is that something where you feel like you'd be constantly thinking about it or, you know, a lot of people say that you could kind of get adjusted to it rather quickly. I went to the Mark Burley school of pitching, so I'd have no issues with, with the clock. I know that there, there, there are some guys we watched across the, the field that would come out, um, especially in the Rockies bullpen at times. And you would just be like, Oh, mercy. Get on the rubber and throw the ball. Um, th- that's one I'm, I don't think it's a huge deal because goodness it is, it, it makes it tough to watch sometimes when a, a pitcher is just taking his time and walking around the mound and not getting on the rubber for a fan. That's, that's difficult. And from the competitive side, you, you want to give 
them as much freedom as possible. But then also the reality of it is that this league is driven by fans. And if we're able to do something that gets them a little bit more involved or keeps them into the game, it it's definitely has to be something we have to look into. Yeah, no, it's, there are definitely going to be changes. I mean, the game's so circular. It just seems to always be changing itself and evolving itself. So we'll just have to wait and see how those changes go. Like you say, um, Clayton, I'd love to talk about, um, you, the injury that you had, uh, your shoulder surgery uh, in the 2014-15 season, how how difficult was it for you to keep going and keep playing and, and keep going for that goal to to get back on the mound? And, and you know, you spent a year and a half or so in the minors, and it, it had to have been a difficult time. How satisfying was it to get back to the major leagues and, and to have success? It might be one of the most satisfying, more satisfying moments I had in my career. Um, the Returned to the mound. It was in Wrigley Field for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. I grew up a Cubs fan, but it awesome. was it was something where for so long, especially early in the process, when I first hurt my shoulder, I remember walking off like I can't. It's it's done. Like unless yeah. the surgery really works, where it's at right now, it's not going anywhere. And then I had so I had a surgery in two thousand. 13 and then 12, sorry, 2011. And then in 2013, I had another one at the end of the season, the 13 one I was really concerned about. And then coming back from that wasn't right. Had another one and it was, it was just something like, all right, it's, it's gotta go or this, this is it. And it was a long process because through those surgeries and through the, the shoulder pain, I was making compensations in how I deliver the baseball. So when I came back, I was still throwing as if I was hurt just because I did not trust my body. It yeah. was, and it took a little bit more time than I anticipated to come back and throw like I knew how, and there was adjustments that needed to be made. And it was quite a process, but at the end of the day, looking back, it's, it was really the only thing, there was no other choice for me. It was, <laughs> it was what I was going to do until I can't do it. And Fortunately, uh, I was able to come back and, and have a good second half of my career. Awesome. You know, educate the fans a little bit about how how much you did have to pitch through pain there and how much pain you you suffered in, in, in that era and how difficult it was to go out there and, you know, not have your best stuff and, and, and mentally get, get through that barrier, if you will. It was difficult at times. I think 2010 was the last year that I went through a season and felt good. And then 2011 in spring training, a shoulder issue like came up and we got quieted down. I, I think I spent half the year healthy. And then, but I mean, I, I feel bad for my wife, Ashley, because she know because I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I'd be turned around and it, it was very stressful. Just thinking like, man, is this like, I feel like it's going to go at some point. Uh, not hundred percent confident. You're going to go into a game and then come out of it healthy. So that happened for half a season and then eventually got to the point where it just, it, w- it wouldn't go anymore. And yeah. that was a very stressful year. And then the following, I think 2012, it was feeling better, but it, there's still that, that stress involved with like, no, it's, it's not quite right. And it wasn't until I had the thoracic outlet surgery, which really wasn't any shoulder. It was a totally different issue that alleviated those issues and finally was able to feel somewhat healthy again. 
I kind of wanted to go off that just a little bit. And, you know, obviously when, when you have to come back from injury, a big part of that is, is the coaching staff and, and their belief in you and that kind of thing. I know that when, uh, you know, through both of your tenures with the Padres, you had Darren Balsley there as your pitching coach. I'm kind of curious the impact that he had on your career, you know, not only when you were healthy, but when you were kind of working yourself back from injury and kind of how he helped you manage that. That's one of the things I was so fortunate with is the support system around me through those difficult times. And there was no one better than Darren Balsley. His ability to know the game was as high as anybody, but then his ability to connect with players and have empathy and empathy and sympathy with what they were going through. I don't think there was anybody better. And I was so fortunate to have him help me through those different times and He's a stud. He was he was great to have on your side and very thankful to have him. You, you talked about how that 2010 team like overperformed compared to what people were expecting. And a lot of that was due to the pitching staff. I mean, how much credit do you think he deserves for how the team performed while he was that, that pitching coach for the Padres? A very large part of that. I think that he was writing up scouting reports that were advanced for the time in which we were playing. So at 2010, now you see the advanced scouting reports that are given to pitchers, the hot cold zones before they had that, he was putting that together on his own, going through the, the system, watching hours and hours of film, identifying hot cold zones, identifying weaknesses and counts. It was something that he was doing, I think at a higher level before anyone else really jumped into it. And it was given us the tools if we accepted them to be prepared going into a game and, and given us a, a heightened chance to win. And I think that that preparation was a huge help for not only the pitchers, but the catchers, the catchers having confidence going into a game that they knew what they could call without just guessing that first time through, through the lineup and being very prepared to do so at, at a higher level than I think a lot of their teams were at the time. Awesome. So, so you're coaching now, uh, coaching baseball. Um, how is it dealing with younger players and, and kind of relating to them and, and teaching them about, about the game and kind of evaluating them? And how much of your former coaches have you in and their styles have you taken into your coaching style? It's the, the, the first part. It's great and it's challenging. It's yeah. it's it's refreshing to see there's there's some kids that are just excited to play the game of baseball. There's no looking at, there's no money involved. There's no yeah. it's just, baseball is their way to play. And that is probably the coolest part is seeing kids that are just excited to play the game and be able to work with them. The challenging part is they're high school kids. So yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get every day. And that's also the beauty of it, but that they have not been taught a lot of things that you would think they would then they would know going into to baseball and not only baseball, but work life. Yes. All those aspects that we're trying to create someone that's coming out of middle school into high school. And then ideally when they leave our program, they're better suited to take on a real life role, wherever that may be in the real world, that they'll yeah. be better prepared. They'll be able to handle adversity. They'll understand what hard work is and how to get the most out of their selves. And that's, awesome. that's why we're doing it is to, yeah. is to have an impact on, on these guys. And when they leave here, then be in a better place for it. 
No, that, that's awesome because you know professional baseball is not easy and it's not not for every everyone it's there's a small percentage that actually make it that far and and make it a, a, a their career so it's awesome that you're able to teach them the life lessons and, and kind of learn from just what you've learned and what you've uh, absorbed from your time in, in the major leagues and minor leagues and and just in baseball in general it's a it's a very admirable job to, admirable job to, to go out and, and coach these young players right yeah and it's it's great and you asked what who rubbed off the most, to be honest, it's probably my parents as, as much great. Like I've had elite coaching at the highest level and it's not to take anything away from, from those guys because I've, I've learned a lot of great things, but so many things that we need to hit with our guys, it's, it's more people things. It's it's things, how how to be kind, how to get your work done, what to prioritize, how to prepare for practice. When we go through practice, there's a standard we need to set and how we are working when we're in, in the practice and how we treat our teammates, all these things that take precedence over the, the, the next level of performance with baseball that we, we have to iron out that way. If we do have someone that's so fortunate to take it on the next level, their foundation's strong. And they're awesome. ready to take take on adversity and whatever comes their way. So it's 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 definitely a fun challenge. And to to kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent here, our local community, that's a big reason why I wanted to to be a part of the and taking the high school job was because at the youth level in our city, baseball's kind of left. It's it's been kind of sad that my boys right now are, are nine and ten. When I was their age in that particular age group. I think we had 36 teams within the city and right now, like this past year, we had six. So yes, there's been a change in the demographic of our city. And the, the the families that are now there, they're not playing baseball. And I want to find a way to get baseball back into the, the, the youth of our community because it's such a, a cool sport and a valuable way to learn these these skills and values that we need to provide to more more children and that's a big reason why i wanted to help is to get that going again to where we can impact even more children yeah you you talked about how cool it is to pass on the lessons that you learn would you say that that is the most rewarding part of being the coach both for football and baseball Yes. I think making those connections with the student athlete and seeing them go through something that they're not a hundred percent sure that they can come out the other end of, and then witnessing them find something within themselves and make adjustments and keep on working and then come out stronger and with more confidence than they went in. And I think having experienced that with a few guys, I've only been here a year and a half, like having those experiences that really makes everything worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, the game is so mental and it's, it's, it, it might, it's, it, it's a microcosm of life really. I mean, the, the failures in it and stuff that in, in picking yourself up and, and, and keep going. And especially when you're dealing with high school kids that just don't have the talent that, that, that some do. And, and, it's really, it's really awesome to be able to to teach those kids uh, about life more than anything. Right. I mean, just the game is a game and it's about having fun, but it's about life and, and picking right. yourself up and, and doing the little things to make yourself a better person. Right. Without a doubt. And I, I think some of my players look at me like I'm crazy sometimes <laughs> <laughs> when, when we set a standard and, and the, the consequences for not meeting that are pretty severe, 
but it, it shows them like if we do that consistently and we hold to that standard, we're, we're going to be in a better place when we come out of it. And that, that's all, all we can ask for is them to, to buy in and, and work hard and be honest. Yeah. I have three rules for our guys and it's pretty simple. They need to be on time. They need to be honest and they need to do the work. And it, if they do those through three things, we, we don't have any issues. And it's, it's something that I think we're getting better at all three. And it's, it's fun to watch them develop as we go through that. Well, kudos to you for, 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 for taking on this job. And it's, it's, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Um, Clayton, Richard, thank you so much for your time. I have one last question for you. Something that I wanted to ask you. Um, it's in regards to the Zach Granke, uh, Carlos Quinton uh, <laughs> happen, uh, and your altercation with uh, Matt Kemp, who you, you just missed being a teammate with on the Padres. Um, can you give us some some thoughts on that? What, what do you remember about that? That that seems to be a, um, something that that kind of sticks in San Diego lore, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was something better for me that <laughs> stuck with everyone out there. No, it was, it was something where I, I think Matt was not aware of the the history between Grinky and and Quentin. Uh-huh. And the, the, I think everyone in our, our clubhouse understood that Carlos had been hit a few times, had been thrown out a few times, and his patience with that had had run pretty thin. Uh-huh. And I don't think the guys on the other side were aware of that. Okay. So it happened. The bench is cleared. Unfortunately, clearly, I mean, I, I never want to see anyone get hurt and Grinky got hurt because of it. Yeah. And I'm sure Matt was being a good teammate or what he perceived to be a good team st- sticking up for his guy. And I, I understand that. And we just happened to cross paths as Carlos and I were walking out of the clubhouse and trying to get to our cars and, and Matt and Hanley Ramirez were there too. And, it was something that I was doing my best to keep further action from, <laughs> from, from occurring. Yeah. Right. With, with all the media around too, it's probably wouldn't have been a good look. <laughs> um, that, that was, it's, it's interesting though, because you know, you kind of do respect the fact that he was being a good teammate and stepping and stepping up for his pitcher. But at the same time, you're like, you know, just don't bring that here. So uh, yeah. it's the unwritten rules of baseball, right? The, the things that, that, that you don't necessarily hear about every day. Yes, without that, and and I've I've seen him since then. We've been cordial. We said hi, and there's there, there's nothing bad there. It's just in yeah. the moment we're on different sides and trying to get yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. It's a it was an interesting moment for sure, for sure. Um, Clayton, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate that. Uh, it's admirable what you're doing in high school coaching and, and as, as well as waiting for your kids to grow up to possibly get into professional baseball. That's awesome, man. And I can totally respect that. My daughter is 17 about to graduate from high school and it goes like that. I mean, it's, it, it goes fast. So enjoy your time with the kids. Um, thank you again for for your time, man. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you again. Uh, we will be back shortly folks after a short break. That was Clayton Richard, former San Diego Padre, our, our guest on this episode of the Padres East Village Times podcast. And I mean, James, you kind of joked about it. His uh his altercation with uh with Matt Kemp is kind of something that Padres fans remember about him. But I mean, I think a lot of Padres fans forgot just how good of a pitcher Clayton Richard was. Yeah. Yes, uh, he was significantly more consistent than just about any of the Padres pitchers that they had during the majority of his time with the team. Yeah. 
And, and it was great to hear him talk about pitching through pain and how he did pitch through pain and how that really did affect him. I think a lot of a lot of fans don't really realize that and how many how many players, how many pitchers in particular have to go out there every single day and, and perform when they're not feeling their best. And and you really should tip your cap to him for that for sure. Yeah, he made like just about 60 starts in that second tenure with the Padres over the course of 2017 and 2018. Yep. He made pretty much every start. He threw almost 200 innings one of those years, and he was just a workhorse. You know, he was a guy that they could depend on on a team that didn't have a lot of talent or you know didn't have a lot of like big name guys. He was a guy who went out there and he kind of posted every fifth day, and he give you your five, six, seven innings, and he kind of held the glue together that starting rotation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just awesome to hear him uh, kind of reminisce about the team and then talk about his time in San Diego. It's, it's, it, it kind of just doesn't seem like it was that long ago that he, that he was pitching for the team, but time really does move fast. Uh, def- well, definitely. Cause it wasn't that long ago that he was an opening yeah. day starter five years you know ago. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's very, very cool too, to, to see him uh, kind of giving back to his community too. I thought that was yeah. really, really cool that he, he like kind of touched on that a little bit. Like I, I was kind of curious to see if he wanted to get into affiliate ball. Cause you know, so many like players like to, but it, it is cool. Like the reasons why he wants to stay in his local area, you know, help form the high school kids that he's coaching and help, you know, kind of turn them into men. Yeah. Yeah. It's shocking to, to hear that only six teams out of 20 something teams that are, are in the area now. Um, you, you gotta, you gotta give him a lot of love for that and, and sticking with the program and building a program like that in high school and, and doing it just to stay around his family. And that's also very admirable. And it did sound like he has uh, interest in, in professional coaching and stuff. So five, 10, 15 years down the road, you might actually see him uh, out there and, 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 being a pitching coach or being a manager or, or doing whatever he'd like to do. And that's, that's awesome. Cause uh, he's definitely uh, one that has the mind for, for coaching for sure. Uh, guys, anything else in particular? I know it was, it was nice to hear him talk about the Padres uh, current state and, and, and AJ Preller and how uh, he sent a little praise to him for, for what he's built in San Diego. I'm sure it's a little bit of a culture shock for, for, uh, for Clayton to see the Padres spending so much money compared to the frugal days in which he was here in San Diego, but uh, times sure have changed in San Diego. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, I think it's important for people that listen to this episode to once again, realize, you know, that these guys are people that are out there performing for our favorite team. Uh, they battle through stuff that we don't even know. I mean, he talked about yeah. pitching through an injury. He's got to change his delivery. So that he feel he feels like there's sometimes where he's going out there and he doesn't know if he's going to get through it 100 healthy. There's nights where he's not sleeping because he's he's in so much pain on his shoulders. So like, you know, I, I think that's something that especially people on Twitter where you can literally just tag the player if they have a Twitter account. They yeah. they see that stuff. I mean, they can say that they don't. They see it. They they know what's going on and how the fans perceive them. So I mean, I think it's important for people to realize that. It is. It's important to put the human element of the game uh, in, in people's face and, and make them really realize that these aren't robots. They are human beings. They have emotions. And, and most importantly, the game is is really mental. It really is. You have to be able to put things away. You have to be able to perform and and you have to do so when you're not feeling your best. And 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 that recognition of that fact is is something that some fans need to realize and, and be a little less uh, difficult with with players. Um, guys, I thought you thought you're probably going to get out of this, but I do have uh, the salary game set up for us before we get out of here. And I know you thought you were getting out of it, but just because you had an off week last week, but uh, 
I All have right, two I names can, for you. I can do one and two. One or two. And then we okay. can go. I have two names for you. Uh, the premise of this game is which of these two players made the most money in their major league career. Uh, the first two I have are Alexi Amarista and Everett Cabrera. And no, they're uh, not the same player, although they can. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of in that same era of Padres baseball. Um, well, I mean, Everett Cabrera was definitely the better player, but suspension really kind of derailed his career and shortened it. I've got a sneaky feeling that it's, uh, it's the little ninja. Agree. Yeah, I was going to say, so like, strictly just a gut feeling, I'm going to go with Amarista. Everett Cabrera is the winner. He made $6.943 million. Alexi Amarista made 5.339, and both of them that played seven years in the major leagues. Wasn't really that close. Oh, well. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay, so our, our last one uh, will be Tyson Ross and Benito Santiago. Mm-hmm. Tyson Ross played 13 years in the major leagues. Benito Santiago, 20 years in the major leagues. And 20 years as a catcher is damn impressive. Holy moly. Um, I'm surprised Tyson Ross played 13 years. That that's almost a good couple of years. He was an all-star, right? Yeah. It was like that, like 14, 15 era where he was like, he had a couple really good years. I'm going to go with Tyson Ross here. I mean, I think that he kind of had that period, like higher pay, played 14 years and played significantly later than Santiago. Yeah. I, I think Santiago would be the like, like more obvious answer, but I'm going to agree with Tyson Ross. I think he sneakily made more money. Wow. Rough day for you guys. Both went over two today. Uh, Tyson Ross, 31.45.45 million. Benito Santiago, 33.295 million. So about a million and a half more he made. Uh, well, it's like two and a half more. Uh, in his seven extra years. I don't know. I, I tried to, I tried to stump you and it looks like it happened. Um, yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> um, it is what it is. It's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting when you think about salaries and, and different eras and stuff. And, and sometimes you think you got to figure it out and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it can all, it's, it's it, it can come down to representation, representation and, and being in the best, in the right place at the right time for, for some of these guys. So, um, Pretty interesting stuff. Guys, I think we're pretty much done. Dominic, you want to take us out of here? Uh, episode 164, do you want me to, to get us out of here? 164 with Clayton Richard. Uh, awesome episode. It's great to talk to a former play, player for sure. Uh, Dominic, send us out with, uh, with a couple words, if you will. Yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed Clayton Richard coming on our podcast. If you want to hear us talk to more guests, or I guess also see us talk to more guests if you're on YouTube, uh, let us know. Let us uh, give us some recommendations and Maybe we can try and make it happen because we're all about trying to deliver the best Padres content out there. We know there's lots of Padres content, uh, a lot of Padres podcasts, but uh, we're trying to also add into that mix. And uh, we, we've got connections at East Village time, so we'd, uh, we'd like to utilize if we have them. So let us know. And thank you all for tuning in to episode 164. James, it was good to have you back on. Uh, Sammy, good to talk some more Padres with you. And uh, we hope that you can listen to our future episodes, subscribe or follow us depending on where you're watching or listening to us at the Padres East Village Times podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.